Hey, it's Pastor Ted Fabianic here from Faith Life Church in Melbourne, Australia. Welcome to our podcast. We pray that when you listen to this, you'll be inspired and blessed to reach the best things that God has for you. We want to honor God because whatever you honor, you receive from. And if you, if you honor God's word, you receive from God's word. If you, whatever you honor is you opening the door for that. So that's why God says you need to honor because when you honor, you're saying what is in you, I want in me. So when you come to the word of God, if you honor it, the way you honor it is just not giving it head knowledge, but letting it get to your heart. The way you honor God is not by reciting information, but it's what goes into the heart. That's what honors God. So most people say, Ted, I've read, I've honored God. So when he goes into the heart, and watch this, everything that you say comes out of your heart. God doesn't listen to your mind. He listens to your heart. Faith comes out of the heart. And see, when we honor God, things come from the intellect into our heart, and what goes into our heart becomes our reality. So, Father, right now, we want to honor you. We honor you that you're the, you're, you're the God of the universe. You own everything. You have everything. And we're yours and you are ours. Father, we are a family. Father, we're not attending a service. We're attending the family home. And, Father, we have rooms in the family home. We don't leave home to go to our home because your home is our home. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, as we come to recall and to bring back the things that have been stolen from us, things that you have promised us. Father, I just pray for the supernatural spirit of God to take the information, to take words that sound like information and put them into our hearts so that they become transformation. And Father, we declare that everything that I choose to become transformation becomes the reality that I walk on. So Father, the reality that I'm going to walk out of here is what's going to happen to me right now. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. And amen, you may be seated. If, if you're wondering why we are speaking every single time about the supernatural acceleration, this is not a message, this is the kingdom. Jesus never said, I'll preach to you about love, that, you only, that we don't need to do it anymore because it's a message. Your mind will say it's a message your, while your heart is dying of love. Your mind says, I understand acceptance, but your heart is dying for somebody to accept you. See, we, we, we know when we're living in information is because we can say, I know what the Bible says, but your heart opens up and it says, you, I'm craving for the supernatural. See, your heart was designed to accommodate the supernatural. It was not a design to be a public library. You okay? See, your mind is designed to take information. Your heart is designed to create re reality. Your mind doesn't create, it is your heart. And when we're, when we're talking about supernatural acceleration, is understanding what's inside of us. You know, we started the, the series with, if you want here, you can catch it up on our YouTube channel, on our website, um, on our app. When Peter asked Jesus, he said, tell me, cause me, call me to come to you. When God said he gave them the destination... And then he said, now my will for you is for you to come. But you know, what the, you know what happens is sometimes when God puts a destination in our hearts is that we keep changing or going the long way around. The Bible tells us that he, he didn't say to Peter, Peter, why haven't you got any faith? If he had no faith, he wouldn't have walked. The whole key is this, is we are struggling with a disease called short bursts. 
A short burst is, I've got the full reality, but I am only allowing a limited part of my full reality to be manifested. So what he was telling Peter, Peter, my destiny for you was for you to walk right to me. That was your destiny. And you will find something when you read this. There is no scripture where God says, while Peter is walking, hey, Pete, change me mind. Our circumstances have changed. Pull back. The reality is this. Whatever God tells you your destination is, it is the reflection that you've got the faith to get there. See, your destination is to be a loving person. So therefore, there is faith in you to love the unlovable. Some of you think that you're the one that's unlovable. Some of you, you go, you don't know me. I don't have to know you. What I have to know is that the power of love is greater than knowing you. So it's got such short bursts. And then, where we are today is we are standing at the door of the promised land. I want you to notice something. Today, you are standing at an open door, not a closed door. So when Jesus, when, you know, the Bible says, open the gates of heaven, right? I got good, good news for you. God opened the gates of heaven and they haven't been shut. We learned this. From last week in Philippians 4.9, keep to the script whatever you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, do it. And the God of peace will walk with you. To keep the script is continue to follow the existing plan, outline guidelines and directions. You know what the script is? If you've got your phone or whatever you've got, I've, I've, I've got the black and white version. This is the script that God created me with. So when I came, when God created me before Vinco met Paula, God had already designed me. He's given me a name. He gave me a wife. He gave me children. He gave me a house. He gave me a car. He gave me a ministry. He gave me peace. I was given everything before I was born. So I came into the world and God gave me the script. But also because I was born in Adam, I got the script from another book. That it is the book that is contrary to this book. It is a dysfunctional me. It is a dysfunctional system where I've come into a polluted realm. So when it says God, keep to the script. So whatever God has promised you, come hell, rain, or whatever, God says, I haven't changed my mind about you. So God cannot change his mind because his mind is eternal. You can't change eternity. So he says, you've got to keep to the script. So what happens is this. We start well, but we, no, you start by going, hey, I'm going to pray. And you, then you give up by Tuesday morning. You say to yourself, I'm going to read the Bible. And then I find it really hard to read the Bible on my phone. Would you like to know why? Because I've got like 20 other apps interrupting me. I've got email. As soon as I get an email, email, <gasps> I better check it. I come up, they look at me like, you, no, don't do that. You, you know what? You know, you got on messages, you know, I got a leader's app. So I'm, oh, this is what's happening in church. You know, so, so I read one bit, but I've read 20 messages. But then I felt compelled because I'm the leader of the churches to reply to those messages. And after I've replied to all those messages, I forgot, what, where am I? Then I go, I'm hungry. I better have lunch. You see, the Bible says you've got to keep to the script. In other words, is you need to finish what you've started. 
So this year, we started, we're going after the things that we have lost, correct? And we're also going after the dreams that God has put inside of us. Now watch this. To show you that you're standing in front of an open door, before we read this, before we go to the next one, you've got, understand something about God here, is we don't come with a vision statement to God, but God comes with a vision statement about your life to Him. So God actually tells you what to ask Him because He's already got the answer. So watch this. Right from the beginning, God creates Adam. Adam falls. Now, because you're really clever. Who had the vision statement about forgiveness? Did Adam and Eve get together and have a forgiveness committee? Okay, Eve, you blew it, but I'm your husband, I love you. Okay, so let's get over it. You're going to take the big blame, okay? I'm just going to tell God it was you, okay? Somebody, you're the fall guy. Somebody's got to be chucked under the bus, and Eve, it's you. And then we're going to come up to God with a vision statement. You know what? We figured something out that, you, that blood is really important. So how about we kill an innocent animal to cover us for what we've done? What they did, they had no spiritual sense at all. Because sin makes you heaven dumb. Sin makes you forget what's in heaven and edifies the earth. Sin glorifies your mistakes. Sin reproduces your mistakes. Sin gives you a limitation and he tells you, I am immovable. I cannot be removed from your life. This is your lot in life. You made the bed, sleep in it. See, sin has this vocabulary. Everything is impossible. Everything is immovable. So God comes to you and he tells you, I've put desires in your heart. So you think you came up with it, but God gave them to you. See, the desire to own a house, where'd you get that from? You didn't get it from Satan because Satan is not into ownership. Satan is into rents. Come on. Satan is saying to you, you are staying in my house, on my dirt, eating my food. So therefore, you need to serve me. Why? How does that work? Sin has a source, and you always have to honor the source. That's how the spirit world works. Now, so God comes to us, and he gives us all these things. Now, I want you to listen to this. So God comes to the children of Israel that are in slavery, that are born into slavery. They've learned the language of slavery. They understand slavery. They have become, they look at their history and their history is full of slavery. And then God says, now I'm going to fulfill my initial call for your life without your consent. Watch this. So he comes into Exodus 6, 8. It says this, I will bring you to the land which I swore to give to what? Abraham. So he went from Abraham to Isaac, and then went to Jacob, Israel. And I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. You, you have the promise of my changeless omnipotence and faithfulness. Now, I want you to notice something here. There is a transfer of land ownership here right now and everything that is on the land. So you get this, I will bring you to the land which I swore to give you. In that land, there are cities. In that land, there are wells. In that land, there are vineyards. In that land, there are businesses. In that land, there is entrepreneurship. He says, I am giving you the land and everything that is on the land. So what you have here in Exodus 6-8 is your transfer of deeds. So you're not taking somebody else's stuff. It now belongs to you. 
You good? So God is saying, you're looking at that, and you somebody goes, but somebody else owns it. God says, now I give this, what you're seeing, I transfer the ownership. So all of a sudden, because of a transfer of ownership, that has to be a transfer of thinking about what you are looking at. See, it will be so different, right? If I, if I took you to, say, what's a really good restaurant, apart from McDonald's? Um, the, Hungry Jacks, okay. okay. Okay, let's say it's Hungry Jacks. I will pray for you. When you go to Hungry Jacks, just pray, God, make it real food in Jesus' name. Amen. No, 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 only joking, only joking. See, what happens is this, is when you, when you walk into another person's restaurant, they give you the set menu and they tell you what you're going to pay for it, correct? So you can only eat what you can afford. But if it's your restaurant, guess what? You don't have to go to the checkout. You just go in the back and get what you want. Excuse me? See, it's a different if you own... The car dealership. You own it and you, right? When you walk in there, you don't go to the salesman and say, excuse me, can I afford that? Can I get a loan to buy this car? Excuse me, sir, but you own it. Oh, sorry, I forgot. I'm taking a loan for a car that I already have. Can you, can you think that the salesman's thinking, what is wrong with this owner? He is buying a car that he owns and he's putting himself in debt to get it. Come on. Say, say oh. See, what, what we, when you see this scripture, it just seems like, oh yeah, God says I give it to you. But there was a transfer of ownership. Now watch carefully. When, when there was a transfer of ownership, the people on that land are staying on your land and now they've gone from being an owner to being a squatter. And what is a squatter? A squatter comes in to a vacant block and acts as if it is his. So he goes into a house that's unoccupied, breaks the door down, changes the lock, puts furniture in there, sits there, pays the electricity bill, does everything. He is now living there, but he is a squatter. He doesn't own it, but he gives you the appearance that he owns it. Well, I own that. Why? Here's my electricity bill. Where? It's paying here. Well, I can tell you I own it. Look, how do you think the lawns get mowed? See, what happens is this, is whoever lived on it previously goes from being an owner to being a squatter. And as, and as long as you don't understand the difference between ownership and a squatter, you will leave him alone. And part of the squatter spirit is to keep convincing you that it's not yours. I remember going to some really hard clients when, when, my, when my company said we need to recover some finance. And I remember hearing this term for the first time and this guy owed us thousands because we sold him some equipment and the equipment got sold again and they made the profit and they said this to me. Ownership is five-tenths of the law. So in other words, <laughs> we're not going to pay you because we own it. We've already owned it. We've already made money on it. So all of a sudden, there had to be a legal battle. There had to be a battle to say, no, you are a custodian of it. You don't own it. So what God was telling us here, he says, what I gave to Abraham. Listen to me carefully. What did he give to Abraham? He gave to Abraham. He had a wife that didn't have a womb. He gave her a womb, gave her a child. He gave him wealth. He gave him prosperity. He gave him the land. He had everything. And what did Isaac do? Isaac was born into the family. And guess what? Everything that Isaac, that Abraham was given, got transferred to Isaac. 
How, did, how was it transformed? It was transferred by birth, not by contract. See, the problem with, when, one of the things we need to get over, there isn't a word called contract when God talks to people. See, a contract means that you got to keep it, I've got to keep it, and if somebody misleads it, something's going to go wrong. Here's the problem with the word contract. How can God make a contract who cannot lie? How can God hold himself accountable? So you, what you have something here so powerful, and he says, I will give it to you as a what? Possession. In other words, or the word there, possession, is also inheritance. So he goes, I'm going to give you an inheritance. I'm going to give you some, I'm going to give you land that you didn't pay for. I'm going to give you a house that you didn't build. I'm going to give you a garden that you didn't plant. I am going to give you flocks that you didn't buy. I'm going to give it to you as an inheritance by birthright, not by workright. I like that. Birthright, not workright. Hmm. Listen, and then it says, I, the Lord, you have the promise of my changeless omnipotence and faithfulness. So what happens is now, is that God has already given something to the children of Israel. They are in slavery, and God says, I gave you my word. So he says, I will take you out of slavery. So he's talking to a people that were reintroduced to the supernatural. So what you have is when Moses came up, he had this, it was supernatural. He had a supernatural burning bush that talked to him. Then he came out and he confronted Pharaoh with the supernatural. The supernatural was, and you just think of it, the supernatural mimics. And so what happens is he comes ahead with the supernatural. How is God going to get to them? Hey, why should, Pharaoh goes, why should I give you this? Why should I let them go? And he goes, I'll show you that I have supernatural power. So the first fight was a supernatural fight. He, that one of the priests gets a snake, sorry, gets a rod, puts it down, it becomes a serpent. Everybody goes, <gasps> supernatural. And Moses goes, is that all you got? So he throws down his rod. And then you have the power of the two supernaturals. Right then and there, God says this, I want to reintroduce you to what you can do. So he says to Moses, you see the snake. Now I want you to send it very carefully. The moment he put the rod down, the rod did the work, not Moses. He wasn't going, come on, snakey. Come on, come on, you can do it, baby. Come on, come on, come on, swallow it up. Come on, everybody, let's clap for the sna our snake. The snake didn't need encouragement. He already was directed to do what it's supposed to do. The snake, the rod had a job description. And the job description was that the children of Israel need to go and get their stuff. So that means that everything that God is doing is to bring you to his destination. So the, so the snake eats it up and, you, and, and eats the other one and everybody goes, wow. And every time there was, everything was supernatural, supernatural. So he takes them out and he does that. It's a reintroduction in back into what they were supposed to be like. See, when you were born again, you were reintroduced to the supernatural. You were introduced into a power that's greater than yours. So now we come to the standing at the open door. So he takes the children of Israel, right? So you've got to watch this. He got the 10 plagues. They go out. Not only did they went out of Israel. Now watch this very carefully. Not only did they leave Egypt, but they left the sickness behind and they left their poverty behind. So they left Egypt, correct? But the Bible says there were none sick among them. So what does that mean? That there was sickness before while they were dwelling in Egypt. While dwelling in Egypt, they were sick, they were broke, 
they, were, they didn't own anything. They were slaves. And God says, now, because of the power of the supernatural, because of the power of the blood of the Lamb on the doorsteps, is that when you decide to walk out, to go and get your promises, what you're leaving behind is sickness, spirit, soul, and body. And you are also leaving lack. Now, watch this. People go, well, what do you mean leaving lack? Do you realize Psalm 23, the, the shepherd never leads the sheep to lack. He always leads them to green pastures. Say, ah. Oh. So God will always lead you out of lack into plenty. Never out of plenty into lack. So the leading of the Holy Ghost says, now, I, I am going to lead you to give you what I have already given you. So what we have is that they're moving out, and all of a sudden, they're broke, but now they're full of finance. They're sick, but their sickness is behind. Now, you've got, you've got to watch this, because this will make sense right at the end. So they leave that behind. So they get there with the power of the supernatural. Now, put, put this from here to here. Every part of the journey was God's provision on their behalf. It wasn't based upon how good, how great, and how much they worshipped. God brings them to the edge of the promised land with the introduction of the power of the supernatural. Supernatural means this, is what you couldn't do by yourself, the Holy Spirit did for you. So, so what does that first thing tell you? Is that for you to live in the house that God has given you, you can't enter it with the baggage of the natural. You need to enter it with the supernatural grace of God. So therefore, it means that what God has given you is not a reflection of your ability. It's a reflection of His ability in you. So God takes them through Moses and He says, Now, over there is everything you own. It's yours. And they, so what they do is they get 12 leaders. A leader means that he has people following them. Is not representing the people. When he says they're a leader, is that means you've got people following you. So there's, it is estimated anywhere between 2.5 million to 3 million Israelites came out of there. So you've got 12 people representing between 2.5 to 3 million people. They go into the land that belongs to them. Now I want you to notice this. When we think about spying the land, it is not like how do we displace them and take ownership. It's no longer about ownership. It's about the removal of the squatter. Sickness is a squatter. Fear is a squatter. Lack is a squatter. Tension in relationships is a squatter. Lack is a squatter. So they come and they spy out the land and they come and they give reports. Now, listen to me very carefully. The reports were not given. They didn't have video cameras. They didn't have cameras, right? Okay, let's go back a bit. In the Old Testament, there was no iPhone. There wasn't a digital camera. There wasn't even one of those black and white ones. You know the way you put in there and go, stand still. The, the way they reported the situation was through words. Go to watch this. Because words paint pictures. Pictures give emotions. Emotions have the power to change destinies. So they come there and they give a report. Now, I want you to listen to me carefully. 
going back that they, Israel, these 10 men, sorry, there was 10 that gave a bad report, two that gave a good report. The 10 men came into the land knowing what was said in Exodus. So God gave them the blueprint. Now you're going to spy out the land that belongs to you according to the word, according to the script. So they came into the land, but something had happened while they were there. Somewhere down the line, they put the script down and picked up another script. There was a transfer of scripts. So they came in with God gave this land to Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. So it's ours. So they came in and they dropped the script. What was the script? The script was ownership, squatters, but then they let the word down and they were, they were looking and thinking that these guys were the owners. So all of a sudden, he goes, oh, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. This, this land belongs to us. My granddaddy built this. This farm has been in my family for generations. My great, 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 grandmother made pieces here. On this very stone, there are the graves of my great, 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 great uncle. They came in and instead of seeing that they were squatters, they were looking at owners. And listen to this in Numbers 13, 32. So they gave the Israelites... A bad report. Other scriptures evil report about the land which they spied out, saying. A lot, the, the message Bible goes like this. And they spread scary rumors amongst among the people of Israel. I want you to watch this. The Bible says that if you don't keep to the script. And you have a different report from the script. God calls it evil or bad report. Why? The reason being is this. The report that was given to them by the people they spied out said this. Your God's wrong. You misread the scripture. This belongs to us. This land is unmovable. This fortress is unbreakable. So they came in and they said, instead of coming back with the script, they came back with another script. Okay? And what they did is the people started to fear. I want you to notice this. Fear first comes to the mind. And if you agree with it in the mind, it goes into the heart. And when it comes into the heart, it creates a reality. Watch this. This is not in there, but let me give you a scripture. In Mark 7, Jesus is taught. People are going, oh, you know what? You defile yourself if you eat the wrong food. Like if, you, if this morning that you had pork, if you had bacon this morning, I'm so sorry, you are now defiled. If you put the left shoe on before your right shoe, you are now defiled. They had 1600, sorry, 618 different laws how not to be defiled. And there was this thing about food and drink. And people were thinking, yeah, man, oh yeah, man, I tell you what, I went past this shop and it wasn't halal, and I smelled bacon, oh, and I really got tempted, and I gave in. I am now defiled. I can't come to church. Can you imagine that you ring up someone in your life group? Hey, I didn't see you in church. Couldn't come. 
Why? I got defiled. What happened? I defiled myself. I ate bacon. Now, so Jesus is talking to them, right? And everybody's thinking it's food that defiles the spirit. Now, watch this. Jesus says this in Mark 7, 19. Since it does not reach and enter his heart, but only his digestive tract. Now, watch this. What's he saying? To defile yourself, it has to drop to your heart. So see, faith comes from the heart, correct? Praise comes from the heart. Prayer comes from the heart. Wisdom comes from the heart. And what Jesus is saying here, he goes, things, words come up to everybody, but what happened was you had a whole generation that when they heard the report, I can tell you it came from the heart. Is because the people started to cry. There were people saying, Moses, what have you done? Wasn't there enough graves back in Egypt that you had to bring us here? See, that's a heart speaking. You know, well, look at me. I've got my children here. If I go to battle and they, and they die, they're going to be orphans. See, what happened was, is their information was allowed to drop into the heart and fear gets birthed in the heart and you see fear talking. Now, I want you to notice this. When you talk out of your heart, you will go back to the condition that you were saved from. What Satan wants to do is to put you back in your place. Before you met the power of God. Just, just think this. They wanted to go back where? Dallas? Where, where did they want to go back to? Oh, we, we want to go to Las Vegas? Yeah. Hawaii? Bali? KL? Singapore? They didn't want to, where did they want to go back? Because when, when it dropped from the head, went into the heart, and what did fear want to do? I want to put you back from where you, the supernatural got you out. It didn't take the supernatural to build bricks. So what you have is that the spirit of fear wants to bring you back so you can do the natural things. Go back into the natural. Go back into the natural. Listen, and they spread rumors to the people. What were they saying? God, they, what these rumors did is they didn't keep to the script. They said, what you need to do is put this down because we can't trust this. Let's get back. Now, come on. Let's do something. See, the, when Moses went up to receive the Ten Commandments, what did they do? They built a golden calf. Why did they build a golden calf? Is because that's what they worship as the source back in Egypt. The natural mind, which is not transformed by the word of God, will always bring you to a source other than God. So what we have here is that the Israelites, now watch this now. Look at verse 33. There they saw Nephilim, the sons of Anak, are part of Nephilim. And listen to this. And we were grasshoppers in our own sight, so we were in their sight. Now, here's your, here's, now watch this. Where's the problem? Just, uh, over here, right now, you can't leave this meeting without identifying where the problem is. Were the problems the giant or was the problem how they saw themselves? Which came first? Let me tell you, you can know which one came first is who interpreted the giants. See, the problem is never what you're facing. The problem is what's inside of you. The problem is not the economy. The problem is not the government. The problem is not living in a different country. The problem is what's inside of you. See, we, see, the enemy has so 
tricked us. That we think that the enemy is outside while the enemy is camped inside. And the enemy that's kept inside creates its own reality outside. Just let that sink. The problem is not out there. The problem is in you. Thanks, Pastor Ted, you've just made my day. You know why? Because the problem out there tells you, you can use me as an excuse. See, the problem is a coat hanger that says you can, you can hang all of your misfailings, all of your complaints, all of that on me. Why aren't you? Why, why isn't it happening? Oh, because of the government. Why isn't it happening? Have you seen my dysfunctional family? You want to know why I'm like this? Mr. Dysfunction, uh, my husband, please come into the... See, 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 what the outside enemy does is use me as an excuse. So what did they do? They went back to the people and they said, the reason we can't is because they are bigger than us. The reason we can't is because we haven't got, we haven't got this, we haven't got that. And God says, see, the enemy... It's not in you, it's camped in your heart, it's camped in your thinking, and it's telling you what's immovable and what's not. It's a good time to agree with me. People say, Ted, why is that such good news? Because you see, I'm not trying to fight the government, I'm not trying to fight the system, because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. See, I can control the inner, but I can't control the other. See, the reason controlling people get frustrated is because you cannot control your circumstances. You know, like this morning, I got up and I had to turn the heater on. I was, I got ticked off. I'm thinking, I'm turning the heater on. Gas prices have gone up. Right? I, I couldn't control, I, I did not pray last night, dear Jesus, when I wake up, I need it to be 22.5 because that's what's in my car. That, you know, constant, right? See, what gets you frustrated is because when you can't control your circumstances. And Satan says this, as long as I can keep you focusing on your circumstances, I can keep you frustrated. As long as you are frustrated, you leave me alone. Um, married people, your wife is not your problem. Your husband is not your problem. Your employer is not the problem. See, as long as you use the outer as an excuse. You keep the inner locked in. What we need today is to get the enemy out of our heart and put God back on the throne in our heart. See, the invisible boundaries that you are facing come from the boundaries that somebody's put in your heart, not the boundaries outside. That is why you can go into the poorest nations of the world, give them the gospel, and you can get the most brilliant minds born in the pit of poverty. Come on. That is why the gospel can go to the worst and make it the best. It's because we have been trained. What, what was happening here was we are given a snapshot of how the world works. The world works. It is telling you that you don't own this. This is immovable. This is your heart. These are your limitations. If only I could change. Now, without going into too much detail here, it is a well-known fact that people that get blessed by winning the lottery, given the appropriate time, go back to a worse condition than they found themselves in. Why? Because the wealth was not in them, it was out of them. And when it's out of them, it controls them. Let me give you the problem with giving. If you have worked really, 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 really hard to get finance, and somebody puts a demand on your money, you go, I can't give that. God says, I need you to give. I can't give that. Why? Because 
it took a lot of my self-effort to get this money. So if, I, if it's taken me 10 years to get this money, you want me to give it away. But when you know that you have a rich heart, it's given to you supernaturally. It doesn't matter what you give away. It always comes back to you because you know the source. That is why you're finding it hard to forgive somebody. The problem is, is you've got a heart that you think that the source of forgiveness is your willpower instead of the grace of God. Come on, come on, I'm preaching better. See, as long as Satan can leave the boundary and the giant in your heart, you never conquer the giant outside. When David saw Goliath, he, he, you know what he's saying? My God. He didn't say my stone. He didn't say my experience. He says, my God who delivered me from the mouth of the lion, from the strength of the bear, shall deliver you in the same way because I am our victorious because what God has done, not because of me. And what you have here is this, is for us to move back into the supernatural is to realize that the fight is not out there, the fight's in there. So what we do, like Paul said, we're going to go into it next week. He says, I want you to renew your thinking. Why? Because I renew the thinking, drops into my heart. I renew my heart. Let me give you this. Well, I wrote something down. It was absolutely... Watch this, watch this. The heart is where the invisible transforms into the visible. The impossible is made possible. And the reality explodes into my physical realm. Wouldn't read it to you again? This is what happens in the heart. The heart is where the invisible transforms into the visible. The impossible is made possible. And the reality explodes onto the physical realm. It all flows from your heart. I'd like the worship team just to come up. We're gonna You okay? Is this helpful? Come on. Because the key for us is we first win the victory in the heart. And when we win the victory in the heart, it goes there. Can I share something personal with you as the worship team comes up? We had, um, we had Pastor Mike Connell. Um, we had him over for dinner before he left, so he was leaving at night. So we had dinner, and I invited my whole family. So my whole family was there. And uh, it, it happened to be my, um, my daughter's birthday. And um, I actually said to Mike, you know, Mike, you know, I, I've never had the Father's blessing. I'd really love you to pray for me. So we had all that. And anyway, the, the whole thing came that we were going around the table. Um, and it started off with Nathan. And, and he just started to share about what he thought about Christine. And then he also he started to share what he, got, what he thought about me. So we're staying at the table, Right? Uh, so he starts, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of crying. My daughter starts, I'm crying. Sylvie starts, I'm weeping. Right? He, uh, so he goes all the way back. Jesse's there, I'm bawling and all of that. And for the first time in my life, I felt rich. You know, all my life I'm thinking, I, I need to feel rich. What can I do? I, I need a car. I need a house. I need this. I need this to feel rich. And, and, and you spend all this time trying to develop this area, this area, this area, thinking that is it. But I've, uh, Pastor Silva said, uh, she goes, Ted, you just need to spend some time on your own because I'm, I'm, I'm a mess now. And um, so she takes him to the airport. I go into my room and I close the door and I start bawling. And I go, why am I crying? Because for the first time, I realized I was rich, but I never knew it. And since then, I look at Jesse differently, Tammy differently, Sylvie differently. It's because my heart became rich. And guess what? The car dropped a notch. The house dropped a notch. The holiday, everything dropped a notch. All of a sudden, I realized, I don't need you to feel rich. 
See, we, we spend so much of our time trying to get what we already have. You know what blew me away? Is that I've had these people in my life all of the time, but I never felt it because I was trying to get something on the outside and bring it in while it was standing right in front of me. So, you know, what we, we do, the way I recovered, the way God gave me supernatural increase on that moment was that my heart got in touch with the reality. And then I opened my eyes out, and here I am. I sat at the table thinking I'm not rich, and I walked out of the table thinking I am the wealthiest man on the globe. And that's what I believe is happening to us in the supernatural realm, is that God is bringing us back to where we are. Come on, why don't we stand? Why don't you just lift up your hands? Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Father, your, your word hasn't changed. Father, nothing has changed. But Father God, you have said that we will conquer, that we will make it, that we will recover all, that you, we will receive all that you have done. And so, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a heart healing right now. Father, I'm praying for heart surgery right now, that, Father God, that we remove every squatter from our heart. Father, that we remove all of the things that don't belong there. Father, all of the lies that are saying that you're not good enough. All of the lies that are saying you'll never make it. All of the lies says when I can win outside, then I am a winner on the inside. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for a revelation of who we are to permeate our thinking, our lives and everything. Father, we declare right now that when we were born again, you made us right in our hearts. Father, in the name of Jesus, we now declare that we will see and look at everything through the supernatural eyes. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, come on, let's give God a bless. Come on, let's give Him a hand. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Hey, if you need prayer, the front's going to be open. Children, uh, parents, you need to pick up your kids. DNA people, you need to go to DNA class. Hungry people, you need to go to a restaurant. Unmarried people, you need to go and get married. Uh, whatever you need to do, do. God bless you. We'll see you next week. All right, guys. What a powerful message from Pastor Ted. Let's give him.